inside welcome to the chopping wood inside podcast the twin peaks podcast for conspiracy theorists and aficionados i'm your host murphy and i think my friend tom's out there somewhere hello johnny how are you today (laughs) what was that we just got finished watching episode 10 was that episode 10 hello johnny how are you today (laughs) (laughs) that was johnny's bizarro teddy bear Uh, right whoa whoa what was that all about that was a uh, really intense scene, I thought. Johnny did look like Johnny Stunt Double in this when we got the full frontal view of him this time. Yeah, it doesn't look like the actor. I think his name is Robert Bauer, who played him in the, the series. Yeah, Well, that's what we're here. We're here to talk about uh, our hot takes on uh, part 10. So uh, we just got finished watching it a few minutes ago. Uh, Tom, what are your hot take thoughts? Um, kind of uh, really, this one is an extension of, of part 9. No, uh, not as much exposition. But uh, we didn't have Mr. C in this episode at all. Um, we spent, I think, more time in Twin Peaks. We got a little bit, obviously, with uh, Cole and Albert and Tammy. And uh, so um, the things moved forward. We got reintroduced to uh, Becky and Steven again. Uh, Carl Rod, played by Harry Dean Stanton. Uh, little Dickie Horn, who I think probably was one of the, the more prominent players in this episode, with his arc. Uh, we, we returned to him after uh, part six. So not um, a lot um, of forward momentum, but enough, in my opinion, to uh, keep the keep the uh, the Twin Peaks uh, machine humming. And I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I uh, obviously will watch it uh, many times um, over and over again this week. But uh, I, I did enjoy the uh, the episode. There was really, I mean, the, the big shock for me wasn't any lines of dialogue, but it was when... Cole opened the door and he saw Laura Palmer <laughs> weeping. Fire and, welcome uh, me, pa- Laura Palmer. Yeah. Yeah. This episode was called Laura's the One. So we were waiting for her to make her debut. And uh, she didn't look like anything like the, the Laura we saw in episode uh, two or part two. Well, no, because, yeah, it was from the shot from Fire Walk With Me. She was screaming what? again, which is the Cheryl Lee uh, trademark. <laughs> she came in screaming and she freaked out Gordon uh, at, at his hotel door. Um, what do you think of that scene? Well, um, the first, uh, my first impression, well, yeah, I mean, because I wouldn't, we have not had, uh, you know, Cole be associated with, with anything in Twin Peaks other than obviously the investigation and Cooper in the original series. But for him to have a vision of Laura was um, completely, you know, surprising. And, and who I came out it, of the midst of that, that, that scene? <laughs> who was out of the midst of that? When Laura disappeared, who was there? The mystery man, Albert Rosenfield. Albert yeah. looking very mysterious. Well, eh? Eh? Hmm? Maybe the Albert uh, is in on this kind of thing, just rose a few percentage points in uh, your mind? What do you think? Possibly. I mean, it's either one. We've got in that whole scene, or in that scene that followed when Albert came into the room, They uh, he went in and uh, told Cole that uh, they apparently were tracking Diane's cell phone, and they know about the message that she yes. received. And they're putting the pieces together that it was after Mr. C escaped. 
And then she actually replied to that message. And I think she said that, um, that uh, they've, they've got Hastings and he's taking them to the site. So taking them to the zone, which is something that yeah. you called so the other. What? So yeah, and so Diane is in on this with Mr. C, and they they know all about the the zone site, and there is going to be a because of like a day trip out to the zone. Uh, this is getting crazy. That's that's probably the the big interesting reveal of this episode. I think was all that news. Right. It could be around the dinner table. The conversation is lively. Was Mr. C's message to her? to go into the room on the you know the two-way mirror to listen in on the interrogation because if you remember she could she didn't really care about seeing you know major briggs's body she even said i don't want to see a dead body she got the message but then she was in that scene when hastings was being interrogated and watching very intently so maybe that's what uh mr c wanted was to get that information because obviously she sent a message that said you know they've got him, and he's going to take them to uh, the zone, or the site. So that's apparently what he wants. But I just still can't I didn't think believe that, that she's in cahoots with him, right? <laughs> right. And she it's does surpri- now. Well, unless really Albert is to, unless there's like a frame. Yeah, is Albert framing her? That's the other option. Yeah, I don't know. It just. But <laughs> did Cole said? Didn't he say that when she hugged him after um, she? she Met that's with right. Mr. That's C. right. He goes like, "I knew it." The second I hugged her, when she refused to hug her, when she was, I was like, "Why is he not hugging her?" And uh, he must have felt some bad juju from her. But then, why are they keeping her along for the ride? Well, they're trying to get information, probably. Like they, they're, okay. you know, they're obviously well, observing her, so they're you know, and suspicious enough that they're monitoring her phone yeah, records. Well, a, another thing is, is that they were able to uh, discern. Diane is a fallen angel, dude. That's kind of like that's jarring. It's I, there, it's it's much deeper than that. But that the server apparently where the message came like from was in Mexico. Type situation going on, I think it's possible. Yeah. Well, we know that there was something that happened between. I bet Lodgy and Stockholm syndrome is like the worst kind. You know. <laughs> right. Well, we don't know Worst if it was Mister C or or Cooper the last time. We're assuming it was Mister C because something pretty dramatic happened. But we don't know what you know unfolded. But I want to talk about that server real quick. Is that it was originally from Philly, and then Albert thought it was maybe from one of her suitors, that the text message. But then Tammy was able to track it to Mexico. So that really, um, for me, that uh, makes the original text message that Mr. C sent possibly being relayed to someone else who was using a phone or a, a server near Mexico or in Mexico to send to Diane. Because if you remember, that message on his, uh, the text was like page two of two. So I think he was sending someone else Bounced a message. several to send, servers. Yeah, to send Got it to Translated into Spanish, back into English, into Spanish, English, <laughs> to really make sure no Right. Well, another big um, uh, reveal in that scene is when Tammy shows up. She's actually, when we see her turn a corner and walk down the hallway to Cole's room. Is that in slow motion? It was in slow motion. Yeah, yeah I was like, wait, is that slow motion? What's happening? And she was doing her little uh, swivel hips, her little uh, <laughs> yeah. catwalk. Dude, why was it in slow motion? I have no idea. It's just a little... Because it was a really short episode. They had to really stretch it out. They're like, just add It was the shortest episode. The shortest episode uh, of all of them, yeah, so far. Well, I think that uh, part two is pretty close, but when you combine it with one and two, obviously it's closer to two hours. But I think on a, on a whole, this one was the, the shortest episode. And then the, the, the musical performance at the end was was very long. I mean, it was like six minutes long. So I think the episode proper was only maybe 45, 46 uh, minutes in total. 
It felt short. It felt a little truncated. Well, the, uh, getting back to that scene, so Tammy shows up, tells Cole and Albert that, uh, remember the penthouse murders in New York? Well, she says that um, they got an image from one of the cards, and the image was of the glass box, and on the outside of the glass box, I originally thought it was inside, but the two characters, one is Mr. C, and the other is a mysterious bald character with a beard and a trench coat. I thought he was a guru. He has a very strange trench coat going on. Something's bulging at the bottom. Or yeah. He's seated or something is weird. I don't understand what is going on with that image. But So do you think one of them is the anonymous billionaire? Well, you would apply. Yeah, I mean, you would think so. Then you would think that I thought for a second that he was in the box like Mr. C. But now that I'm looking at it again, like freeze framing, it looks like he's on the outside of the box talking with that scientist looking character who could be the billionaire perhaps or maybe working for the billionaire. So he's in on that. Obviously, we'd speculated that that was possible, and it's truth. So, you know, I, I guess he's not. Uh, we thought who would be interested? Who's the one person who would be interested in what's going to come through that box on this planet? Mr. C would be probably really high up there. So, yeah, it, it, along it with Philip Jeffries. Yeah, and Jeffries said in part two that um, they were supposed to meet in New York, and uh, so maybe that was Jeffries. Maybe that dude is Philip Jeffries. Yeah, but obviously it's not David Bowie, so we don't know. But it's certainly, I'm glad that there was a callback to um, to that glass box and to New York City, um, and if Mr. C was involved with that, whether he was the billionaire. Or was uh, you know in cahoots with the billionaire? I think that. Do you think he was in New York? Pl- he'd dress up a little bit better. He's still wearing his like the southern you know snakeskin jacket. <laughs> no, he was smile. wearing something. Different. He looked a he little bit. On, yeah. He no, he, he looked said, a little bit more uh, proper. I, I don't think he it did. Was, okay, it, good. That's. I'll look it did. I, I noticed it. A look. I don't know if it was a leather. Looked like kind of like a dinner jacket. I thought he was wearing the same Mr. C garb. Yeah. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. But uh, I'm glad we got that. It's been a while, obviously, since we've had any uh, reference to New York, and it the um, the insinuation now is that um, Cooper, the whole plan, the manufacturing of Dougie, and uh, not wanting Mr. C, not wanting to return to the Black Lodge, and Cooper winding up in that glass box but not being um a trap there because i think that's what maybe mr c wanted is uh, uh cooper trapped in with the monster that would obliterate him and then that would take care of cooper and then dougie would be returned to the black lodge and mr c would be able to roam free but he's still able to roam free because cooper is is out and about obviously living the life of dougie jones yeah, it's still a mystery as to what his motives are, but we got a little bit of a bigger clue. We were wondering what the heck Mr. C's up to, you know, with all that money he's got. And, you know, obviously he's got places in Brazil and he's living a lavish lifestyle. Like something he's got going on is that that box somehow. As an investor or whatever, you know, he's uh, interested in that. So maybe we're going to have a future episodes that take us back to the box. What do you think? It's possible, yeah. And I'm glad, like I said, they, they had a call back to it. And uh, I think that there's going to be uh, further... Um, either investigations or maybe an additional scene um, with that glass box and finding out a little bit more about why Cooper went into that instead of actually um, leaving the the Black Lodge because obviously he went that the evolution of the arm um, uh, caused the, you know the, that the floor to open up and then he you know fell through the floor through I think a puddle of water it looked like. Uh, and then landed in the glass box. So there was something going on, and I, I, that was all very interesting to me, and I want to see, and I think it's very integral with the the, 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 um, the Mr. C versus Cooper and how that's all working out. So I'm glad that they did uh, mention that again. I think we will get some more answers. 
Uh, yeah, do you want us to talk about the rest of the episode? But just starting off uh, at the top, you could take a, a bow. Uh, I think one of the things you've been predicting <laughs> came true is one of the first shots we saw in this episode, which was uh, our friend Harrington Stanton at the Fat Trout uh, doing something that we were, or you were at least hoping might happen. Which well, I was hoping it would be maybe over the uh, the end credits, and uh, but we did get a scene pretty much right off the bat uh, with uh, Harry Dean at the Fat Trot trailer park uh, strumming his guitar. You know, there was a cup of coffee and a you know an ashtray. And just singing a wonderful ballad. And if you noticed, he was outside the manager's trailer. So that confirms that he is the manager. He's he was the manager there. of the original. But if you notice, to the uh, left of him, to the right of this uh, of, of, of him from the, the audience's viewpoint, there was a sign that I guess said hours of operation was like 9.30 to 5.30. But in between the 9.30 and 5.30, it said never before 9.30. And that was a callback to Firewalk With Me, when uh, Desmond and Stanley yeah. um, visited his trailer, it had like, do not disturb ever before 9.30 a.m. So I like that. That was a little subtle touch. Um, but then he saw a coffee cup being thrown through a window, and that was actually one of the very first things when they announced the series. Mark Frost gave a series of interviews, and he confirmed one thing that would happen in the series was that a coffee cup would fly out the window. And here he is, a coffee cup... Flew yeah, out the first of the image window. we ever thought we ever heard was that. So was that it? And here it is. It came to fruition. But then it we ties could... into your other prediction was also that perhaps Becky and Stephen might be living at the fat yes, crowd. And yes. boom, there it is. Number two, uh, we get to see them and Stephen's in full rage. Full, uh, full, <laughs> full sparkle yeah, rage, sparkle right? Rage, just sparkle rage all over Becky, which we all knew was happening. So, you know, no big surprise there. Um, and then and then what happened? Well, no, um, one of the things that I, I, I thought about that scene, obviously, you know, he's in rage. I think, you know, he's, he's an addict and he's screaming at Becky, like, you know, you work for minimum wage and why don't we have any money? And I know what you did. And then he also said, um, you like need to clean this place. And when he said that, I had a flashback to Leo Johnson. Leo. And since, yeah, obviously she's Shelly's daughter in Firewalk with me, remember? Uh, he had that one, that one scene where he's on the floor doing scrubbing the floor. And he's like, this is where we live, Shelly. I'm going to show you how to do this. Like, he always wanted to have a clean place. And Shelly even said, like, he, she thought that he just wanted to have a maid. But um, so I think. Yeah, you wouldn't know, she like say it's all bark. clean? And he would like mess it up and go, no, it isn't. Or something right, like that. He would right. pull that move. What a dick. Yeah, so and so that we haven't seen Becky or Steven. So she remembers since. what that's like because her dad does it. She's probably seen her dad do it as well. So here she is, you got a boyfriend doing the same thing. Or wait, we're, we don't know no. who her dad is. No, no, we don't. I, I I think it's I think it's Bobby. I think we're gonna get that um, at some point soon. Uh, that Becky, either Shelly and Bobby um, are still together, or obviously they're not. But I think that she is definitely um, their daughter. I, w- I would guess that. You realize, like, thinking, yeah. like, we're going to have, like, some Bobby scene. You know, I mean, come on with Shelly. Like, in the way, the, the, the pace that we're going, if we do, we'll have, like, one scene. You know, and that'll be it. We're running out of episodes real fast. I don't think we're going to have any narratives that are really strong with Becky and Shelly and Bobby and Red, the triangle going right. on and what's going You know, we just don't have time. Look at how much, how little happened in this episode. That we just had, and uh, so anyway, so that was just my well, we're, we're getting these vignettes, right? Um, of the uh, pretty much all the main characters of the original series, but they're not really integral to the main plot, which really is the the, the two Coopers, you know, Mr. C and Cooper, and and the investigation. But um, like, and th- th- this episode was a perfect example when we had a return of uh, Jacoby back on air, ranting again. I think about the pharmaceutical companies and us being sheep. And uh, which is very funny. And then a cutaway again to Nadine 
This time, I think she's drinking a protein shake, maybe. But um, we yeah. get a uh, right. We get an establishing shot of which has to be her place of business, right? Run silent, run drapes. Well, yeah, of course, run silent, run deep. And what's in drapes, yeah. what's in the uh, the storefront window? Well, the gold shovel. Like, yeah, she's 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 in the gold. She's in the resistance again. She's in the peaks resistance going on, which I think. <laughs> right. Well, she's uh, an acolyte, or she's a disciple of 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 Jacoby. She she spent twenty nine ninety five on a gold shovel, and she's proudly displaying it uh, at her place of business. And uh, and I'm thinking that she is in the back office, right? And uh, yeah, home? I suppose. Yeah, of her, of her place of business. We saw it. Yeah, I would think she's right. in the back. Yeah. So I don't think that we're going to get like a major, like, you know, obviously in the original series. Is that series, it? We're just done with her now? That's probably. No, 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 no. But we're not going to get anything oh. of like, you know, her, you know, <laughs> trying to involve, uh, 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 invent the silent drape runner and then taking too many sleeping pills and then waking up and having superhuman strength and going to high school. We're just, it's little vignettes. We're getting to see some of these characters. And I'm now, you know, kind of finally made peace with the fact that it's not, it's not all integrated into the plot. You know, these, these side characters, even though I think Jerry Horn now, we've got another scene of Jerry Horn. Yeah, talk about what's going on with Jerry. Woods. He, it was like really was he like, looking for coordinates. He, was he using his phone trying to find well, some missing it, coordinate? What was he? Does he got <laughs> dementia? Is he dug put out? Well, no, he, um, he, um, he had his phone held out and uh, I think it said it had no service on it. And uh, so he's still lost in the woods. I mean, he's probably still wearing the, uh, the his same clothes. And then he says, you can't fool me. I've been here before. Um, so it seems like some of his lines, like, you know, the I am not your foot and like being lost in the woods and um, like, you know, um, I'm so high. All these things here, like, you know, being confused kind of mirrors um, kind of like Dougie's exploits a little bit. Um, I'm not saying yeah, that they're it's... giving us that implication. They're kind right. of referring it a little bit to make right. us wonder whether. I mean, obviously they keep showing him. Dude, they've showed him like almost every episode. Well, he has <laughs> been in the last. He's been in the woods. Is it just really one day? You're wondering. He's wearing the same outfit the entire time. Is he? St- was he still wearing the same outfit this episode? Well, you know, the timeline is a little like. Uh... I was thought maybe he's just. This is all happening in one day for him. No, I I think yeah. I mean, I, I think it's probably over maybe two or three days because if if you. Um, well, well, let's talk about the, uh, the the actual first scene of the story was Richard Horn uh, driving up to a trailer, not in the Fat Trot trailer park, but um, owned by the um, the woman who saw him after he ran over the little kid. And uh, she is uh, telling him, obviously scared behind her door, that she um, has already told the police that um, she saw him and then she's written a letter and then he bursts in and kills her. And I think he actually like plugged her. I think I heard a gunshot. And then he turns on the gas, lights a candle, and then takes off. But my first thought of that scene was I liked the shot, the composition of, um, it was a little, I couldn't figure out who it was at first. At first I thought it might be Ray pulling up into Twin Peaks. And I got really excited for a second. And then I saw it was Richard Horn. And it was like, I'm still excited. Glad we're having Richard Horn here. But then he walks up and then I saw his face reflected in her door and then I couldn't make out who it was, but then I figured out who it was. But I like that composition. You can see her face actually, you know, on top and then his face, his reflection, like where her torso would be. And I just love the composition of that. And then um, my other thought was, why did she write a letter 
to the police and why didn't she just either call. just call them I guess she wanted to be them. anonymous she didn't want to be tracked back to her I suppose well, but still that doesn't make yeah. sense yeah not but she's to, dead now well yeah so she's dead and then now he is uh, you know he's he, he looked a lot she, less intimidating in long shots you know now that he's on the run he looked like a kid in that, that scene you know before he kind of had a little intimidation yeah, factor yeah. in the dark and the tight shots and everything but in that scene he looked like a kid who was uh, you know totally freaking out but it makes sense though right because he's you know he, I mean his life is where do you get that yeah, he's fucked. Yeah, know, right? yeah. What is yeah. the Twin Peaks? The Twin Peaks uh, Police Department definitely is uh, falling down on its job to not have like a some sort of Amber Alert type of you know, APB <laughs> out of this guy. <laughs> well, Andy was investigating yeah, it like in Part Seven, yeah. but yeah. Um, well, but no, I think that that the, the original series basically one episode was one day, and I think we're getting something very similar. And I think sometimes we're getting like what we see in two episodes might be one day. So I think that. What um, when he when little Dicky Horn ran over the kid was in part six. So here we are in part ten. So you would think that four days had passed. Well, part eight, I, we really didn't spend any time anywhere other than you know the past. So I, my thinking is is that this really is either the next day or or two days later. Um, so um, I think that the investigation is unfolding. We're just not seeing it. It's just the way that the Lynch and Frost are, are uh, you know are unfolding the narrative. Is that uh, they're they're coming back to. So how, how about it's been two days? Dickie Horn has been on a two-day, three-day bender of murdering people and just <laughs> running them up. It could be just a day. He started yeah. at the roadhouse with the restraining right. that one girl. Then he killed right. the kid. Then he killed the girl from the road, the, the double R. And then he goes, the next scene, is he go and menaces his fucking Sylvia <laughs> and Johnny, you know, and uh, talk about that. Did that, that happen directly after that scene? Uh, no, no, we go was, actually, I think we go next to uh, uh, Las Vegas and we're uh, reintroduced to the Mitchum brothers played by... Uh, Robert Nepper and uh, Jim Belushi and we have this you know really like slow scene of Nepper like doing some attending to some business while we see one of the showgirls Candy played by Amy Shields I believe and she is intent on killing a fly and for some reason after unsuccessfully killing the fly she picks up a remote control and apparently the fly lands on uh, the Nepper character and she slugs him and then freaks the fuck out. And then Belushi shows up, and uh, she's inconsolable, and they're uh, they're talking a little bit. And I think what happens is that, um, and I don't think it's this scene, I think they come back to it, is that they turn on the TV, or they have the TV on, and they see the Ike the Spike attack from part seven. And they say that um, uh, they knew Ike the Spike, apparently he was a nemesis, and they had a hit on, on him, and so they canceled the hit. But they recognize Cooper as Dougie Jones, as Mr. Jackpots. So they're going to, I think, like, you know, go forward with that angle. But we're introduced to another scene later on with Duncan Todd, we'll talk about in a minute, that actually intervenes. And then they approach, or the Tom Sizemore character approaches them. But let's talk about the Nepper Belushi and the Showgirls. Um, what did you think of uh, the showgirl? All are—they're just—they're just candy, really eye candy. They mix drinks and I'm like, don't they ever change their outfits? Because I was like, no, is that, the, is that their costume? That, that, that's their uniform. Is I kind of like that though. I like that's that's. It's like you said, the Hitchcock, right? It's a Hitchcock yeah, thing. thing. They just that's wear cool. The, so that's yeah. what they do. Uh, you know, it just kind of like I would prefer prefer them not to speak at all. Or to have a little bit more to say that wasn't like, uh, I don't know what this was, but I thought for a second that when she was freaking out so much about 
this little cut. Uh, how, oh, gee, what a juxtap- juxtaposition to the few episodes ago where we saw her and her cronies just standing by watching Neppard beat the living shit out of somebody, you know, completely blank face stare. So I thought, okay, so this is like what she is. She gets really sensitive about, you know, little things that happen uh, in her personal life, but she's desensitized to the violence that she uh, might be witnessing every day, being the girlfriend of this killer. You know, so that was my first impression. I thought it was clunkily done. The whole, all this stuff in Vegas uh, was not a huge fan of, and I wanted to be, you know. Um, but yeah, so that was my, that, this, I may love it in the next viewing, but the, the first time I was like, eh. I liked it? it. I liked it a lot. I liked the, uh, I liked the fact that it's, it's vague, that we don't know the exact relationship. Well, it took the menace out of the, the Nepper brother, or out of uh, the Mitchum brothers, I thought. They don't seem to be scary at all anymore. <laughs> but maybe that was the point. It probably, I'm sure it was. Yeah, they seem more like a comic or more, uh, you know, less Mr. Eddie and uh, more, well, I don't know what the actual... Uh, well, it became uh, comedy. I mean, that was what that was, whether it was funny or not. I think that was all. It was absurd. It was really... It was absurd as comedy, yeah. Right. But I like the fact that we don't know the relationship between, I mean, obviously they're, you know, they're you know, girlfriends, but I think they're probably, all three of them are both of their girlfriends. They're just really, they're, you know, they're always with them. You know, whether they're making them drinks, they're probably preparing them dinner, they're probably having sex with them. Like whenever they want someone summoned, they'll send one of them. I, I mean, did like the candy was always causing trouble, though, that she was not, you know, these guys, she was doing her own thing and they were getting frustrated. I, <laughs> I love once that scene. The, uh, yeah, once they got to the casino, I like that part. Well, we'll talk about that in a second. There's also a scene that I want to go into that happened uh, uh, fairly early in the episode is that finally uh, Janie E. took Cooper to see the doctor. <laughs> and, uh, and, Finally. and once she saw Cooper bare chested, uh, she I think she got she felt a little frisky. Yeah, it proves uh, but, one of the other theories that there was definitely a gym in the Black Lodge, like a Pilates <laughs> with a giant class must have happened because Cooper is right. ripped, dude. He's completely shredded. He looks like Ned Flanders in The Sims. <laughs> I was like, wait a second, dude. They're like checking the wrong part. He should be checking his brain, dude. Why are they checking his abs and? His glutes and you know saying like they they, they went to the wrong doctor they aren't even checking right. the part that needs to be checked but the, well I like was, Watts obviously was totally loving it you know well one thing that I find I found uh, a little suspect about that scene we know from the original series with the backstory and then from the events that unfolded in the original series Cooper was shot um, in you know in the final episode of the first season and then she was he was knifed in Pittsburgh years before by Wyndham Earl and I the thought scars. I saw no scars well I know I thought that when he took off his shirt that was the reason why they had him take off his shirt was that um, I almost got up baby yeah, it would be like scars? where are these yeah. scars and then Janie would be like oh Dougie doesn't have any scars I mean I never noticed any scars but this man has scars I thought been that would have been stabbed multiple times by Wyndham Earl in the stomach right like anything else well just once yeah. I think but I thought that would have been a really interesting development uh, because it seems odd that Janie E really hasn't noticed because she even said in this set, like, Dougie, how much weight have you lost? Yeah, how has she not noticed until now? <laughs> and then obviously she would know what her husband looks like naked. Like, and if oh, this guy yeah. standing before her has like bullet wounds and a, a scar from like a knife wound, I think it would confirm that it's not the man that she was married to. But we got no reference to that. And that opens up a whole big can of worms um, that um, the Cooper that we're seeing the Cooper that we thought left the lodge and is now resuming life in the world of Dougie Jones. And I'm not going to go there. I'm going to think about this for a couple of days. There might be more to this because I think that <laughs> there's a reason why 
that I bet they there is more to it for sure. Took off the shirt and there are no scars. I mean, I I was I, I thought for sure they were going to make a reference to it and they didn't. So I'm, should I, also be wondering like, how is Dougie all of a sudden having his chest, chest perpetually waxed all the time? Like he waxes back to the chest. Yeah. <laughs> well, that segues into the next scene, and I really like this. I, mean, I really really enjoyed this episode. I know. Yeah, I was it, I was wondering about like you know also like what didn't they like what about sex? You know, doesn't like right. you know, what's their sex life like? And we got to find out like she got eroticized and got one, it was time for some loving between the sheets and that was one of my best <laughs> favorite scenes in this entire uh, episode I love the look on his like they both were just loving it it was great right I loved how the <laughs> shot had op- sex in 25 years dude <laughs> fantastic. but I loved how the shot Welcome opened on her feet like being like kind of uh, footloose you know her she was like kind of antsy and she was staring you could tell she was all like you know she was aroused and Dougie's just a child oh, eating his cake and then it cuts yeah. to the sex scene and it was just I loved how when you know we only see her on top of him, and we can only really see his arms or his hand like bouncing up and down on the bed. Yeah, well, uh, uh. and then we get the, like the trampoline or something getting bounced around right. like a kid. And yeah. then we get the cutaway into his, you know, his, both of their O faces basically. And I was laughing my ass off. I was cracking up. Yeah, I thought great. it was hilarious. And then it was also very, very poignant when she said that you know I love you, and then he goes love you. And it made me think that, okay, after you know, 25 years, this whole you know, drama of, of Cooper and you know, Mr. C, the Black Lodge, you know, the world might blow up in another nuclear explosion. But here he is in this house with a beautiful wife and a beautiful child, and he's now had sexual intercourse, and he seems perfectly content. And I'm very happy for that family dynamic, and it only... Uh, makes me more suspicious that since Cooper's had so much bad luck yeah, with best. women, that um, something tragic is going to happen to Janie E. Yeah, I think so. He definitely is. Well, I mean, that's the one thing is he's never had, uh, you know, never had much luck with the ladies. And so that's one thing is he's right. uh, never had this. And so there's not probably a lot of memories in his mind uh, that tie back to the original Cooper memories that were, uh, that can tie into this feeling of happiness that he's got in love and being in love with a woman and having a family. You know, he doesn't ever had that before. It's like he's building a new memory here that he likes, you know, right. so uh, maybe he'll like it so much and never want to go back. He'll just want to stay as Dougie forever. Yeah, I mean, what if they're not the going Lynch's, to get... Lynch's final fuck you. He's like, just Cooper's like, you know what? I'd rather stay Dougie. You know, right. it's, like, uh, it's like Big, like Tom Hanks and Big. He'd just rather stay. Yeah, he's, he do not want to go. Back. I think he would. I think that that's the character. How it's unfolding is, I think that you know, he's he's obviously getting signs from the Black Lodge, and things are pointing into a direction of like the one-armed man even told him, "Wake up, wake up." But he hasn't, and I think that he's perfectly content in this world. But something's going to happen. Like this deus ex machina, something's going to, the hand of God is going to enter and maybe take away his family, his life, and which will ultimately set him on a path uh, uh, to, to Twin Peaks and, and some kind of like, you know, uh, face off with Mr. C. Uh, face off, face off. I mean, I don't I, that was a little, off. you know, yeah. uh, you know, I, I made that reference because you mentioned the John Woo and the doves and that we're probably not going to get that, but you know, there is going to be some kind of confrontation. Uh, between the two of them of some sort you know in in a lynch fashion obviously probably done very abstractly yep so dougie got to got to uh, get his uh, rocks off for the first time in 25 years woke up the uh, sunny gym and just completely <laughs> blissed out his wife and just made them a happy happy super duper family and like woke right. up the next morning she's like kissing him goodbye like you know have a great day this is bliss 
Right. You know, and it's just yeah. probably can't last. But it was nice that Dougie got to have that moment now because it's probably been. I mean, how many days do you think Agent Cooper gave himself to take off and go romancing Heather Graham's of the world? Probably not that many. He probably was a workaholic. You know, so uh, <laughs> I agree. I agree. So Cooper deserved this. He deserved it. So it had been 25 for, years, like you said, since he had uh, had, you know, sexual relations with a woman. So yep. it's a long time coming. Yeah, so then, then what? Yeah, what else? Um, okay, so, um, well, we have, okay, so just to finish off, I think Vegas is that we have the Duncan Todd scenes. Um, we see now that uh, the Anthony Sinclair character is played by Tom Sizemore, who works for Lucky Seven, um, is actually employed He's by, killed. yeah, Duncan Todd. And so apparently How is he the Mitchell brothers. employed by Duncan Todd. What does that mean? I, I thought he was employed by the Lucky Seven. Well, he is, uh, but I think that company. he's. Who is Duncan Todd then? I think Duncan Todd is a, a, a local bigwig because he says that his chief rivals a gangster? Yeah. and bitter rivals are the, are the Mitchell brothers. Yeah, you and, know my bitter rivals, the Mitchell right. brothers, don't you? So um, yes, I think I think that um, apparently the Mitchell brothers had another casino which um, like burned down to the ground, and that was the reference to the Lucky Seven scene when Sizemore was going over a case about arson. I think they were mentioning that, and what I took from this scene with Duncan Todd was he may be responsible for actually torching that place to um, to fuck over the Mitchum brothers because apparently there was a $30, $30 million claim that they were supposed to get. But now since it's been determined to be arson, they're not going to get that money. And what, This is all off camera. This never happened anywhere no, in the show. No, this is all no, just like, yeah, we're no. implying it because of the little bit of paperwork that we saw Ducky writing or right. figuring out that one day. So. Well, he is explaining a little bit. And then I think what what Duncan Todd is trying to do because he is he's employed by Mr. C and he's he's responsible of hiring the hitman to take out Dougie so this is I think his final chance so now he's uh, employing the Tom Sizemore character Anthony Sinclair to communicate this information to the Mitchum brothers so uh, that Dougie was the one who actually like rejected the claim and he's the one responsible for that if he communicates that to them that they'll want to go ahead and eliminate Dougie Jones. And then if for some reason they don't, Duncan Todd tells him that Sizemore's character is going to have to take out Dougie. So that yeah. leads him back to the casino yeah. where he meets up with the Mitchum brothers after Candy is summoned to bring him there and she spends like two minutes just <laughs> like talking about God knows Gesticulating what. arms, wildly waving, yeah. Right. No idea what she's saying. And then he brings, she brings him into the They're room. Like, Go and get then... her already! Yeah, because they just couldn't <laughs> right. take it anymore. And then uh, Candy, he communi- she's skating on thin ice. Candy could be fired at any moment. Yeah, but he said Belushi says like if they get rid of her, she'll have nowhere to go. So Aww. yeah, there's, there's their little you know they've got some warmth within them. Yeah. yeah. So um, so now basically after Sizemore um, relays the information from Duncan Todd to the Nepper brothers, now they are going to summon Dougie and basically ice him. They say like you know. Uh, you know, fuck us once, you know, shame on us. You know, fuck us twice, shame on you. So, shouldn't they like at least do their homework and verify that? They're just gonna take the first person to word account. Right, yeah, just come right, on in. Didn't right. was it a little bit stilted too? Wasn't he like, you have an enemy in Dougie Jones, an enemy you have, and walking out like slowly out of the out of the meeting? Like, was it a little bit stilted, Tom? No, I liked it. I liked. I liked. <laughs> Did he uh, repeat it like two or three times? Like an enemy you have in Dougie Jones, Jones, Jones. Well, you Jones know, Lynch yeah. loves the doubles in everything, whether it's characters or lines of dialogue. He loves the doubles and I loved how Candy let him out of the room and she her hands were all over him 
Um, I just these little subtle touches, I think, add dimensions to these characters. So I, I actually enjoyed the Vegas scenes, I think, maybe a little bit more than, than you did. Yeah, yeah I could have done without them. I'm, I'm just, you know, it was just, I mean, I actually, I would have liked them, but I thought they were a little bit stilted. I don't know. I can't criticize the master, God Lynch, but if it came from any other director, I'd be like, can we like tighten this up or do another take? You know, so that's and that sometimes happens when, especially upon first viewing. Um, but no, I wouldn't say it was offensive at all, but it wasn't like super compelling and I was like, okay, what the fuck? I guarantee on? you on the next viewing, you're going to have a completely different... Yes, yeah. you will. Hey, I yes, believe it. Will. It happens every episode. So so then what? Where where do we go next, Tom? Well, um... I think we can talk. We can in this uh, action-packed we, episode. We can uh, sum up the uh, one day I'm going to love. <laughs> no, not one day. I think tomorrow when you rewatch <laughs> like it. Two hours, yeah. Next, <laughs> but um, we'll sum up the scene with uh, Dicky Horn, little Dicky Horn, visiting his grandmother Sylvia and Johnny. So, Sylvia, and it was the original Sylvia coming back too, and uh, stunt double Johnny, yeah. and stunt double Johnny. But calling her grandma, and then later when Sylvia calls Ben grandfather, so she either has to be the son of Audrey or Johnny, and we're pretty certain that it's not Johnny, unless he's, you know, an illegitimate, you know, child. But I yeah, think... Little Dickie Horn has got to be uh, Audrey's kid, I would think, you know. But then the 50-cent question is, if she's Audrey, if he's Audrey's kid... Where the fuck is Audrey? Well, where the fuck is Audrey, this but kid's running father? amok. Yeah, he's just running amok. He's beating the shit out of his own grandma. She didn't even go, like, your own grandmother you're beating. She didn't do anything. She, like, she was pretty used to being assaulted or something. And so. he called her the C word at the very end. Oh, I, I wouldn't even God. say that. It's, like, so offensive. Jeez, yeah, that really is so rude. But if he is the son of rude Audrey, boy. who is the no father? Man. It's either Justice uh, John Justice Wheeler or... I, I, don't, I don't. I don't. I don't want to go <laughs> there. <laughs> no. I, why not go in there? Look at him. He's a fucking mad dog. No, I'm Someone talking. Needs to you take know, him out. No, I'm talking about what a lot of people thought when Doc Hayward said he yeah, saw. Yeah, Mr. C. That's what. Yeah, I, I just don't. I don't want to believe that. I don't. Possibly, he's the devil child. Too much of a. Yeah, it, it could be, but uh, so we had well, that scene, and then it all um, just I, seemed a little inconsequential. You know what would have made this a bit, bit, a bit, a bit more compelling to me is if they had right. maybe the police actually chasing this guy. You know what I mean? There's no. This guy is a multiple homicide killer on the loose, running around town. Dicky Horn, this Dicky Horn, and he. There was no. I wanted like a little Goodfellas tension, like with the choppers overhead, like something. <laughs> it's it was just kind of like deep, 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 deep. He's just a killing people, da, 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 like going to like go to rob his grandma's purse. He's just there was no, um, you know, he wasn't, uh, you know, on the run or scared or he was just being his regular self. Well, Andy's so. on the case, but he's got to, you know, buy a chair. He's got something. They got to redo the study. You know that Wally's allowed them to, you know, ch- turn his childhood bedroom into. A he's got priorities. He'll be on the case. Little Dicky Horn will be chased down. Trust me. Well, you can tell that he's obviously very entitled. That the Horn family is ultra powerful. Oh yeah. And so oh, he just yeah. thinks he can screw around fucking killing people, like you know, all around town, and no one's going to even bother arresting him. So right. Uh, yeah. All right. So, um, okay, so then, like, after that, I think we had the scene that we talked about, you know, on the top was the Cole scene. He, uh, when he's, he's drawing some, do you remember what he was drawing? Uh, it was like a hand, and it was like reaching out to, like, touch some sort of dog, crocodile type creature, and that's all. It had, like, antlers or something. It looked like the a antlers log, maybe. On or something. A do- it was like an antler, dog, crocodile, law. I don't know what the fuck was going on. Well, I want to uh, talk about just briefly that, that scene about when he saw Laura, because. When I watched it, when he opened the door, 
he saw the image of, of, of Laura Palmer. It was the scene in Firewalk With Me where she comes to Donna's house and says, you're my best friend, aren't you? And like it cuts to him and his reaction. But then when he sees Laura again, that image is reversed. And then it does it one more time. So we actually got like four shots, I think, this is just on one viewing, like of, of Laura Palmer. And we had two shots of, of, of the normal like image from Firewalk With Me and then two reverses. And I also thought that maybe it wasn't a vision that Cole was having, that somehow um, that Laura Palmer, wherever she may be, was somehow like channeling or like, you know, you know, that, like that came into the world at that moment because I heard like, like Laura, when they showed the image, like Sarah Palmer, you know, that they went back to that scene a million yep, times in the original. Too. It just seemed like it had some kind of psychic connotation to it. And Cole, we, we've never had any like, you know, kind of uh, implication that he's like Cooper and, and has like, you know, he's able to like really kind of like connect with the, the deepest uh, uh, levels of intuition. So I thought maybe that, that, that Laura is somehow, because we mentioned that Laura is, is slowly like becoming a part of the narrative. We had Bobby see her in a photo of her. Ben mentioned her. Uh, later in this episode, we'll talk about the log lady referencing her. And here we do see like her actually fill the screen with coal. So it seems like now um, it, it's, it's, it's amping up. And I, I want to say that somehow she's somewhere. She's because what happened right after that? I mean, we got the information about Mr. C. Albert uh, emerged from this. The, and Albert emerged. Right. Right. Was, right. Yeah. So I, I thought I thought it was very like compelling because it was so unexpected. And just a combination of just the, how Lynch shot it, the sound, it was just, everything was married perfectly. And it was it was bizarre in the sense that I didn't really understand the, the rationale for it. I would never really connect a coal with Laura Palmer other than Lynch with Laura Palmer. Obviously we know how much Lynch loves Cheryl Lee, the actress and the character of Laura Palmer. But, um, but Oh, another thing is that we got that real quick scene of Albert having a dinner date with, with Constance. Yeah. The morgue from a uh, buckhorn. Yeah. Jane Adams did their hook. They, we, well, we saw the sparks flying and the sparks flew and they connected and they all were like going out and having dinner and stuff. And like, we see them flirting uh, over dinner table. We see uh, Gordon and Tammy who are obviously dating, you know, clear, it's clear they're dating now. Like, like, it, Oh, you know, watching them from afar, you know, watching that they're actually hooking up and that they're being, you know, happy for them and stuff. So that uh, was another one of our theories that proved uh, true. So that's good. Everyone's having a good time. Like Dougie's getting some, Albert's getting some. Like, that's good. <laughs> I love that scene of just how they were just kind of eavesdropping. Cole, he, he calls over Tammy. Yeah, it's kind of like Norma when Norma was watching Becky that one scene, get, uh, borrowing right, Shelly. So, right. But yeah, I really like that one too. It was good. And uh, I would be really bummed out now if uh, Albert is bad because Albert's uh, got you know a girlfriend now. So maybe, maybe I'll uh, hold off on that theory. Until he does something else. Yeah, I don't think that. Uh, why did he walk cool. through the hall? Like it was just kind of weird. Like that whole Laura cutaway. You know, if they want to have Laura's ghost in the in the hallway, I thought they could have done it in a different way. It's just it was a very weird choice. I thought for how to do it, um, that was a little jarring, as you say to me. And maybe just feel like, what the fuck was that all about? Like why? Why? Why that choice? Um, and why Albert coming through? So anyway, well, but, uh, not yeah. I mean, obviously it was a knock on the door, and Albert was there, but he didn't see Albert. Yeah, it was he a very calm knock Palmer. on the door. Right. <laughs> you would right. think if she's all panicked, it was like knock, 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 knock. You know. So uh, anyway, I wonder who knocked on the door. Was it Laura or was it Albert? No, I think it was Albert, but it yeah. was just these this the flash. Moment. 
where he saw, image. yeah, he saw the image of Laura Palmer. And here's the thing: Would Gordon Cole recognize Laura Palmer? Yeah, would he even? Well, probably. Yeah, of course. Everyone knows Laura now. Well, I mean, he came into the investigation like in the. She's on gold orbs and other astral planes, dude. Everyone knows her ass. It's like, say, Ferris Bueller. She's good. Like <laughs> no, I don't think. Well, I, I, I'm assuming that he he reviewed Cooper's, you know, case files of the original investigation and and could put two and two together. Did he actually say like? Yeah. Well, he didn't say when Albert watched it. I'm like Albert, holy shit! I just saw Laura Palmer in the hallway. <laughs> he didn't say that, did he? No, no, <laughs> what did no, he no. say? Um, <laughs> Well, I know he just. What I think he, he just. Do you it was just like Albert. I think then Albert just came in. He, he didn't, didn't like, say anything. What no. the fuck's going on? But he did say this is really something after. Uh, after he saw the. After the Tammy Cooper. showed him the uh, the photograph. In the glass uh, monster box, yeah. Yeah, of, of Mr. C and uh, whoever that, that. Could have been Philip Jeffries, uh, the guy in the little lab. It paint. could be. Obviously, that's not David Bowie. It could be yeah. Jeffries. I mean, it could be like a thing where Jeffries. You know, was who the hell knows if there was an if he had an inhabiting spirit, or if somehow Jeffries was able to uh, jump into different uh, bodies like a, a parasite host. Uh, we 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 don't know. Um, and that actor, whoever was playing that in that photograph, we saw just a side angle. It didn't look familiar. And there's it not like that... someone in disguise, <laughs> like someone in an old Columbo episode, <laughs> Patrick McGowan, or like you know Tom, Cr- someone in disguise, of, uh, evil scientist, yeah, German scientist. Well, um, and then okay, so then we have the scene with Ban that Sylvia calls Ban, and after she tells him the you know the the the, the events of the day of little Dickie Horn coming and assaulting her and stealing all the money and and basically saying that she's going to need more money and ben's like i'm not going to send you any more money i found it um i think that the insinuation is is that they're no longer married but he's still wearing a wedding yeah. ring uh, but after that whole thing where sylvia says well i'm calling my lawyer ben just kind of it's like he almost like gives up and he goes beverly would you like to have dinner with me tonight so <laughs> yeah that's great i love that scene he's like we're seeing how his mind works. He's finally giving up, I suppose. They're probably separate. But if you notice that one in, during that scene, you did not hear the mysterious hum. That's right. Maybe he's planting the hum. He just has a hum back there so he can Well, make no. It we thought maybe that the hum was somehow, because he said it was like, a, didn't some kind of like, a, like a, what do you, he called it like a, a, like a sound from like a monastery or a yeah, bell. Yeah, monastery bell. Yeah. The, yeah. And, and, with, and he, I think, described it as otherworldly and, and I thought perhaps that maybe that was influencing not only him, but, you know, the people, you know, in the great northern and maybe surrounding or in the Twin Peaks community. And now that we didn't hear and, and he rejected Beverly that night. And here we go. The next time we see him and he has a, a moment of weakness and asks Beverly to have dinner with him. We did not hear the hum in the background. So I thought that I was... I thought that was in Beverly's office. Was it in, is it in his office? No, it's in his... We've, in the Great Northern, we have only seen Ben's office. We have well, we've oh. seen the, his door open, and we've seen like the front desk area, but we've never seen any other part of the Great Northern other than the exteriors. Yeah, that's not because it seemed like in the first scene that Beverly was like showing this hum to him, like she was. It was new news to him. You know, if, if it's his office, he would be the first one to know. He would think. Yeah, because she said I think it had been like around for almost a week, but she said that it had been like. A, uh, it, it had been getting louder recently, so maybe it was you know undetectable until like that day. Yeah. Or whatever. Well, uh, what else happened on this episode? Anything else? Uh, well, that uh, mean we've gone over everything yeah. except for really the final scene was the return of the great Catherine Coulson, aka Log Lady, and it was great to see her again. I hoped that we would see her because um, 
she uh, she you know really got the plot going in Twin Peaks when she called Hawk in in part one and said my log has a message for you which led to the discovery of the uh, the missing diary pages from from Laura Palmer diary and now she returns and Hawk is listening to her she's called him and Hawk doesn't have a line of dialogue do you think it's the flash it was like a flashback to the first episode the second episode because he has the same exact look on his face it was almost do you think that was a new supposed to be a new shot in present time or it was another callback to that maybe episode two no I think that that we're now it's in the proper place but I wouldn't be surprised that the scene that we saw of Hawk um, going into the forest and coming upon Glastonbury Grove would not be we would not re- we, we might return to that scene coming up I, I always felt that that shot was nonlinear um, was, was did not seem to fit in place um, at that particular moment because so why did the why did the log lady call this time okay so I'm gonna go ahead I actually wrote this down she, here's what she says she goes um, electricity is humming you hear it in the mountains and rivers. You see it dance among the seas and stars and glowing around the moon. But in these days, the glow is dying. What will be in the darkness is that is wait, what will be in the darkness remains. The Truman brothers are both true men. They are your brothers, and the others, the good ones who have been with you, uh, now. Uh, excuse me. The good ones who have been with you. I think the implication is, is that they're good men too. And then she goes, now the circle is almost complete. Watch and listen to the dream of time and space. It all comes out now. Flowing like a river. That what is, is not. Hawk, Laura is the one. So that's what she says. I'm sorry, I, I kind noticed, of love that. I noticed that, that Hawk wasn't taking notes. That. Hawk wasn't taking notes at all. Do you think he just like absorbed that whole thing? I think he's he's a deeply spiritual Amazing, man, and yeah. I think that he was. <laughs> he wasn't yeah. taking any notes. So it, it, it reminded me of uh, of uh, one of her. Well, what like, do you think that all meant? Introductions. Yeah. That seemed like I well, for the ones that are really short. You know, like I've got a message for you, or you know, like one sentence. I like those ones, but this is a very long one. Do you think? It's well, what does she start off? Things? She says, "Electricity is humming." How many times have we had, you know, um, this sound of the electricity? Humming, at whether, the Great Northern Hotel. Well, not just the Great Northern oh. Hotel, <laughs> but with the woodsman, with the um, obviously the electric uh, electrical pole yep. in Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Um, any number of Everywhere. times we've heard it double over R the diner? trees. The Double R Diner. So Sparkwood I mean, Twenty One. Sparkwood. That's right. Sparkwood mm-hmm. in Twenty One. So we've heard. It. So I mean, obviously it's very cryptic. I think you know. I think what she's saying is is that she knows that uh, Hawk is preparing to go along with Bobby and Truman to Jackrabbit's Palace. And my thinking now is whatever they're going to find there is somehow related to Laura. Um, I'm not saying whatever object, whether it's a place, a person, I don't know what it is, but Laura is very relevant to this journey they're going to go on. And I think that that she's possibly giving giving him like some kind of warning because the next episode is entitled, I think, um, There's a Fire Where You Are Going. And that also seems like a very log lady line. So um, I think we might get her. I should think she might return in the next episode as well. Maybe the fourth page will be up there in uh, Jack Abbott's palace somewhere. This fourth page in the. Uh, oh, that's right. The Do missing you think fourth we're going page. We're to see that. That there's actually something relevant on that thing. I don't know. I just I I, thought, I, I felt it odd that uh, Hawk would yeah, say who do, that. Who do we see about looking into that? Like who actually who, who would that whose whose job would that become? <laughs> Hawks finding that fourth page and why? You know. It seems right. Like well, I uh, still think that um, there's going to be. Um, a uh, a call to Sarah Palmer. 
um, related to whether it's the missing diary pages or maybe you know Margaret's message to Hawk or something else. I just think that um, now that Laura is becoming more and more involved in the narrative, even though we haven't seen her character um, proper, that it makes sense that Sarah uh, will will be connected uh, somehow. And uh, so, do you think, think the Laura we just saw it knocking on Gordon Cole's door is the same Laura that we saw in episode two? What I mean, well, obviously that was the Laura Palmer that uh, has been uh, is a spirit in the lodge, but yet she lives uh, even though she yeah, is one dead. Is not, yeah, one has aged. One I think it's not. I think it's like this psychic. It's like with Sarah Palmer, she would have a vision of something. I think it's comparable to that. Whether it was Laura herself somehow, like you know, kind of channeling into our world um, and 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 giving a message to Cole, what that might be, I don't know. Um, cause I, I don't know what else it, it, it could mean. I mean, because I've never, like I said, I've never put Cole together with, with Laura Palmer, but the only thing I can think about is with the events that unfolded right after that, the information that Albert provided him, um, being tied into Laura Palmer somehow. Um, uh, but that was all like Laura or, or Mr. C and Diane and what the hell's going on with them. So Maybe maybe I Diane mean, being so in cahoots with uh, you know Mr. C's going to somehow lead uh, uh, Cole into the lodge. You know what I'm saying? Like they're all going to get dragged in. You know, maybe that there's something here inevitably that like we talked about like uh, Lynch having a much larger role in this season. And yeah. We talked about hey maybe he'll end up in the lodge and maybe he will. Maybe he'll take this train all the way to the end. You know what I mean? I'd love no, to see the lodge. I agree. I, I think it. that eventually we're going to have some more lodge shenanigans, and there very well may be um, other characters other than the ones that we know who somehow enter the lodge. I would love to see Hawk in the lodge. I mean, I would love to see Gordon Cole in the lodge and Albert. I'd like to see Matthew the whole like Matthew to the lodge would be good. Well, I mean, that's going to be. I mean, if we see as you um, Sky suspected Rash in the lodge would be sweet. <laughs> but if we see Hastings. Taking them to the zone. I, I, I mean, now that it's been mentioned, I can't wait I to can't see that scene. Wait, that's I, the next I, episode, right? We get to go. We're all going well, on the field trip. Well, who knows? It might be Yay. episode fifteen. Yeah, we don't know. But oh. uh, I think that the big takeaways in this episode, um, I mean, obviously, you know, having seeing Mr. C in New York with a mysterious um, a person, uh, confirming yes, possibly that's that a big connector that he's connected one of them. With, is, yeah, yeah, is is the anonymous billionaire. And and also the the, the furtherment of uh, you know Diane's role in this um, this plot or ploy uh, by Mr. C and and what her what her role is and why the FBI Cole and Albert are are suspicious of her enough to you know monitor her phone calls and what it all means. Um, so well, you know, you're pointing out like two minutes in the entire episode. Are you saying the other 52 minutes was uh, just completely relevant bullshit? No, not at all, not at all. <laughs> but I think those are the big, the big juicy, juicy nuggets. I mean, um, I, like I said, overall, I mean, I think, like I said, like the the Vegas stuff isn't as interesting um, for many reasons. But I do like, I, like I talked about with Dougie and Janie E and. I, they're finally, you know, like, you know, Cooper having like sex, not that the, it was leading up to it, but being seemingly content and knowing now that, you know, there's, you know, we knew that a hit was going to, you know, it was put out on him. It's, it's been like, you know, there's been two failed attempts and here we're going to have the Mitchum brothers turn at it. Um, it, it just, it just makes me think that, you know, something tragic is going to happen again. And, and really, I don't want it to, but it seems 
you know, uh, unavoidable at this this point. So I think a lot of the the scenes, um, uh, even though they're not, you know, like you know, maybe as interesting as as this the the New York subplot, the Buckhorn, you know, anything related to the lodge. I liked the vignettes. I liked the character develops. I thought it was I thought it was well done. I thought Lynch um, did a masterful job uh, as he always does. But uh, when things like just having like that set piece with Dickie Horn. Uh, invading the, his grandmother's home, this th- that that teddy bear constantly saying like "Hello, Johnny." <laughs> while this uh, insanity is going on in the background, didn't you think that Johnny was... Sundell was going to freak out, like Hulk out, and just to get out of the uh, you know be able to break three and beat the crap out of him? Because he looked like a giant stunt devil's uh, Johnny Horn. Like I mean, he clearly looked like <laughs> a huge muscular. Like when would Johnny Horn have had time to like drink all the protein shakes and do, lift all the weights to become that giant? He was just a skinny kid. With the headdress on, you know, banging his head against the wall. <laughs> I was hoping that would happen, but it didn't. But I just love the, uh, you know, the, the way that he, you know, that, that, that scene unfolded, the way that he shot it, and to have the, the, the Lynchian touch of that, you know, that computerized teddy bear saying that, and with this <laughs> violence and this all this subtext. I mean, so, yeah, and I love, like, the Fat Trot trailer park scene. I mean, I, I really liked the, the Harry Dean, and to see the Becky and Steven, the callback, not the callback, but... You know, kind of the you know the apple not falling too far from the tree with with uh, with Becky's character. A little cliche. With... A little cliche. Well, I mean, okay. <laughs> what are you tear it apart, do, my friend? Tear it apart. No, no, it was fine. It was good. It wasn't one of my favorite episodes, but it wasn't a bad episode. Um, it just a lot of, a lot didn't happen, um, and the the Vegas stuff has fallen a little bit flatter than I had hoped. But I really liked that my my biggest and favorite scene is the Dougie uh, postcoital scene with Janie E and and realizing, you know, that that's happiness to him and that, that that's a that's an important note, you know, and whether he loses it or not, um, at least he had this episode to uh, enjoy it for once. So I like that. Any final any final final other thoughts uh, on this one, big guy, before we uh, say I feel five? like if I say anything else you're just gonna like rip it apart and tear it you know, tear me down. You know, tear the episode. Oh down. come on! Dude, what are you I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. You, I'm kidding. Hey, we have yeah, to uh, tell it like we see it. Uh, we are, of course, I, no. It's what's great. also great is that on second viewing, I'm always like, okay, it's great. I love it. So maybe I will feel that way. You guys. Oh, you will. In, I know you will. Uh, yeah. To the next podcast and see how I feel. But um, yeah, I'm not gonna just constantly be saying everything's great all the time. Um, when some things feel, I mean, you know, one thing I was just like, you know, if you're, if you're going to have a scene where you're going to chase a, a fly around, maybe get a, let's, can we get a real fly in here? <laughs> like, I've never seen anybody chase a fly around a scene that looks realistic, you know, um, from that scene to the, uh, like Brett Favre commercials, you know, chasing flies around. That's always a very difficult thing to pull off. So things like that. That's well, all. you know, the actress, Amy Shields, if you uh, know anything about her, that she had her training, um, at, uh, at flight Academy. No, at, at mime school, she was yeah. at mime for about seven years. So I thought yeah, that she needs she... to sharpen up. I'm kidding. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I I'm can tell that, you're but... kidding because like, she definitely was not a mime. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, do you want to give a shout out to uh, the great actress Joy Nash? Um, Senior oh, yeah. Dido. Senior Dido gave us a shout out. She watched one or listened to one of our pods, and so yeah, we're glad to have our first Twin Peaks cast member listening in. Um, and if any of you guys want to get in touch with us, we're at choppingwoodinside at gmail.com. You can find us on. Uh, iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, probably some other platforms. But um, yeah, you can send us, uh, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're everywhere. So you can uh, send us feedback, ideas, comments. We'd love to hear from you. Um, until next time, we're not sure. Are we going to do a deep dive this week, Tom? Or, or, is, or I'm not sure if this one prohib- uh, requires that. What do you think? I think, well, I mean, I'm always game to go further. What I'm saying, I, I want to really 
scrutinizing. I'm going to watch the episode again. I think, like I said, with Cooper, with bare-chested Cooper, not having any signs of old wounds, I'm really going to go ahead and put my thinking cap on um, as to what that might mean, like why he doesn't have that, or if that was just Dougie a production decision. Dougie Flanders. No, I, I just think that there might be something else because of the idea of them supposedly not being able to coexist, Mr. C and Cooper. Maybe there's a reason why um, that uh, they, they are existing in the same, uh, seemingly in the same realm, but maybe there's something more to that. Maybe uh, Cooper... Uh, there's something more to that. Uh, and I don't know what it is. I'm not even going to pretend to speculate, but I think that there might be a little clue in that scene and I'm going to think about it. So if I do come up with anything, uh, we might do the deep dive on the podcast. If not, we'll definitely do a preview of part 11 uh, next Friday night. Well, you can think of it this way. This may not be true at all, but like, right, like Evil Coop just got plugged in the chest and Garma Bozia pulled, ripped out of his chest, you know? So on the, the other side, Dougie all of a sudden is getting a stronger, uh, you know, it's almost like, Who's going to win? One has to die. So the, the more that like damage that Mr. C goes through, the stronger uh, the physical presence of, of Dougie becomes, perhaps. Because yeah, how has he got that uh, ripped chest? You know, so that I think there is something to chew on about that. So, uh... well, one quick thing. Remember that uh, scene in part? Well, when uh, Mr. C threw up all that Garma Bazia, and then he got uh, he yeah. got busted and incarcerated and. Um, they, uh, the, the, the local, the warden and, you know, I guess some cops there mentioned that, um, that what they found was very toxic. Some policemen got sick and they were running the, the labs on it and it still hadn't come back yet. Well, are they still running labs? I would love to know. I would love to have what at least it? some reference of like what the, you know, chemical makeup of that, if it's just cream corn, if someone said, well, you know, everyone's getting like, you know, like, you know, deathly ill from this, but it came back as just creamed corn. That would be. I just want to. I just want to have a reference. Word. I want to have from Roscoe's Diner. Yeah, they had to close down Roscoe's because it's just <laughs> cesspool. Yeah. No, I just oh, want a little ten-second scene if someone reads that like toxicology report, Mister C's vomit, and what that. Well, I, we know it's Garmin Bazia, but how they phrase it and how the people react to it. But I don't think we're going to get that. Obviously, that's. Uh, I think. Uh, Long gone, like a turkey in the corn. Yeah, there's no more Gamma Bazia now. Now it's all about cheetahs. That's what Mr. C. <laughs> so. That's well, a good. That note, uh, yeah, you guys. Well, uh, yeah. On that note, we'll say uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. <laughs> <laughs>